Warriors, this is the Epilepsy Spectrum, your short and sweet stop for all things epilepsy. I'm your host, Tiff the Titan, and thank you for joining this collaborative journey into overcoming epilepsy. If this is your first time here, then welcome to the Epilepsy Tribe. We connect here every week to learn from each other, embrace epilepsy in our lives, foster community and relationships, and promote advocacy, and highlight what's new with epilepsy. Today, we are talking to Tori Robinson. She is the CEO and founder of Epilepsy Sparks, and she is based in the United Kingdom. Tori, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me here. Tell me a little bit about your experience with epilepsy. Um, So epilepsy is a condition I've likely had since I was a baby. I had a febrile seizure when I was 10 months old, which lasted over an hour, and that most likely led to the brain damage or temporal sclerosis, Um, but I wasn't diagnosed until I was 10. I'm now at the age where I can't remember my age, and that will be 38. (laughs) And yeah, so as I got older, my uh, epilepsy got progressively worse and worse and worse, and it got to the point where I I went to see my neurologist, and he said to me, you know, your life expectancy isn't great. Would you consider surgery? And I said, yes, scoop it out if you can. Um, And I was very lucky. I was suitable for the surgery. That was six years ago. I still occasionally have seizures, but my life expectancy is a lot longer, Mm. (laughs) you know, so I still have epilepsy. So many people do when they've had surgery, if not the majority. It's not a cure, or it's very rarely a cure. Yeah, one of my key messages with people, and it's easy for me to say, but is that epilepsy does not define me. And it is a condition which severely affects my life, can affect the quality of life, and, you know, it stops you from doing certain things, but it isn't me. And hence, I would never call myself an epileptic. I really don't like that term, actually. Yeah, everyone has a different opinion on that, I think. But it's that's the thing. You, if you call yourself epileptic, like in a descriptive way, like as an adjective, you know, that's not so much a big deal. But when you say, I am an epileptic, that's so defining and it's so limiting. Thank you. Exactly. And because of the meanings of words change with culture as that develops over time. Mm-hmm. You know, for instance, we could use the word diabetic and it's nothing like the term epileptic is it but we'll see what happens in 10 years it might be a bit different yeah you never know so how how is life with epilepsy now do you have seizures daily or monthly oh gosh no so um as i mentioned since surgery things have been a lot better i haven't had a tonic clonic seizure in about 18 months which is fantastic um i average about one a year so that's great. That's great. Um, I'm not having clusters. I had a nocturnal seizure, actually. So I do tell a lie. I had a nocturnal tonic-clonic a few months ago, but I haven't had one during the day for a long time. So life is an awful lot better since I had surgery mm-hmm. and because I take my drugs. Good, 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 good. I'm, I'm happy for you. Thank you. But, but do you know what was important to note, though? Because I come across a lot of people who use the word cure, which I hate, because it's inaccurate, a description of somebody who has controlled seizures mm-hmm. or partially controlled seizures. We still all have the impact of the drugs that we take. Some people are lucky and they don't experience many side effects, but it's very common for people who, despite not having seizures at all, which is fantastic, mm-hmm. they still have to deal with the impacts of the drugs, which common ones are um, exhaustion, memory issues, weight gain, mood changes, and things like that. So we're not here to complain or anything like that, but just make people aware. But it does affect your life dramatically, definitely. Well, 
Exactly. You know, you can't, well, for instance, I don't go out as often as, for instance, maybe I used to. You have to just manage your time very carefully and weigh things up. Do you want to encourage a seizure or do you not want to? And how would life be if you had more seizures as a result of perhaps risky behaviour? Mm-hmm. Which is not fair because other people who don't have epilepsy don't have to worry about that. But this is how things are. Yeah. And the way that you can empower yourself is by dealing with the truth and making adjustments that are your choice. And then you can start yourself on a new path, which involves your choices. And in a way, other people have to deal with that too, just based on your diet. You know, you feel sluggish after eating McDonald's, whereas if you eat a salad for lunch, then you're going to feel 10 times better. So every day... That's a really good comparison, yes. We make make those choices and, you know, it's just the same, except our consequences can be a little bit more severe rather than just feeling sluggish. But yeah. Indeed. And I, but I do also think it's, um, say, like, for instance, you and I are both from Western countries and it's easier for us to make these choices, mm-hmm. whereas I work with individuals from other countries, such as parts of Kenya and parts of Uganda, where people don't have the choices that we do in mm-hmm. terms of what we eat and, right. you know, what we do during the day, you know, if we get quality sleep or as good a quality sleep as we can, things like that. So it is worth just comparing ourselves to people in different cultures who have different experiences and sometimes fewer choices with things like diet. Do you travel to a lot of these countries to speak or do you travel just like for the organization, for your nonprofit organization? It's a combination of both, really. So Pop Epilepsy Sparks, do you know what? It came about by mistake. I just started ranting a little bit on a blog because I couldn't believe how many people who had these funny beliefs about epilepsy and this was after my surgery Mm -hmm. and it just kind of not exploded but grew really quickly and because I've traveled a lot through my life I'm very lucky I did that first even when I was a baby Mm -hmm. I love culture and differences you know not even from continent to continent but from country to country Mm -hmm. you know for instance from the east to the west of the states how many differences there can be in in interpretations regarding illnesses and language because language and the differences in that affects how people are treated culturally as well, um, and things like religion and all these types of things. And so it's very important to me to bring people together, even if it's just online, who experience similar issues, such as what we've spoken about as a result of drugs, mm-hmm. but also enable people to identify differences in how they are treated in society or the choices that they may or may not have in their lives and make people feel less alone as a result. Right. It's amazing the people that I've met, for instance, in Colombia, that I would never have met if it had not been for Epilepsy Sparks. What inspired you to start the nonprofit? So you were ranting in your blog, and then you just decided <laughs> through this community to to work from there and build on it? That, yeah, do you know what? It was not a... I did not decide straight away, right, this is going to be an organization. I just thought, okay, we have people from all over the world checking out this blog and it's educating them. The difference it was making was, or the thing that made it different was that it was educational. It was based on empirical evidence, not just opinion, but things based on science. And it was something to empower people through that education. And because of that, it stood out. And I decided, okay, I cannot cope with this all on my own. Um, All the people coming to me and all the people, you know, and I 
just felt this pressure. Oh my goodness, I don't want to have a seizure through all this pressure. So I decided to get other people involved. And that's how it kind of turned into a company. It sort of flew away in in terms of uh, how many people were getting involved. It was almost out of control. That's Um, wonderful. I reined it back in. And yeah, so now we just, we've had contributors from every continent apart from Antarctica. Those have been patients, um, neuroscientists, neurologists, employers, uh, family members, because it's not just about the person with the epilepsy. It's about who they interact with. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think those people rarely get a say. And it's important because I'm a complete geek. I, I love science. I love neuroscience. And I love empirical evidence, things that can be proven. Mm-hmm. So this has become my opportunity to be the person who bridges that gap between us lot and us being patients and the medical and scientific professions and it's and it's really exciting and then i get to talk about it all over the world too which is absolutely fantastic that's amazing yes and (laughs) yes what's your primary mission as an organization through epilepsy sparks it's to empower people through education i think that is the case with almost every part of life is the more that we understand something the more confident we can become in talking about it and in our own behavior and how we think about ourselves so i guess i'm kind of lucky i have always kind of thought that way and don't get me wrong when i was younger i felt alone I felt completely isolated. People didn't talk about this. And then mm-hmm. I thought that is not fair that so many other over 70 million people in the world yeah. tend to feel in a similar way. That is not okay. Right. And I'm lucky that I can articulate pretty well. And mm-hmm. I'm lucky that I can, uh, that I have an interest in the science and culture behind all these silly beliefs, but also the developments that we have. And so I'm kind of speaking and encouraging other people who are able to, to speak for those who are not able, because not all of us can. Not mm-hmm. all of us have the confidence. Not all of us yep. have, you know, just the ability to. Right. You know? Mm-hmm. Somebody has to speak up for those that can't speak up for themselves. and Yeah. And uh, I'm not pitying them. I'm empathizing, which is hugely yes. different, you know? Mm-hmm. Very big difference, right? Yes. That's why I, I do what I do and why you do what you do, because that's very important. And that's so lovely to hear. And I think that there are more people like us than we're actually aware of. It's just we kind of get... We're so passionate about it. We're working so hard. Sometimes there's not, we don't realize or seek the other people out there like ourselves. And what I really want to help achieve, and no doubt with what you're doing, this podcast is amazing and you want to achieve yourself, is to help us almost operate as one mm-hmm. rather than as separate bodies because we yes. can achieve so much more so much by more. coming together. I agree. And yeah, and approaching the public and the medical profession in that way, mm-hmm. you know? Yes. We connect about those things that are relevant and that need to be done in certain areas. It's easier to find the right strategy to help people in Kenya or whatever country that you've been to help them get the health care they need or get a support system or whatever it is that they need at that time. Exactly. And, you know, in us raising this awareness, what I'm hoping to achieve more and more is to get larger organizations, larger legal bodies to recognize the benefit of the services that we provide through education to to different societies and how that is good for them, of course, but why they should fund that for us, because mm-hmm. of course there's only limited things that we can do without the funding. When they see the amazing achievements that come out of just a little bit of funding, it's actually extraordinary. I've introduced companies providing EEG machines, for instance, to those um, in remote areas in different countries in Africa. Mm-hmm. And just to help with diagnosis and then treatment after that. And it's amazing seeing what happens. 
it's amazing. People's qualities of life is so positively impacted. And again, not just the patients, but also their families, right. society overall. And when people are able to see that the diagnosis of epilepsy doesn't mean that somebody has evil spirits in them, for instance, yeah. because that, that's lost believed, right? Mm-hmm. It, you know, wow, that is amazing. It's that, that form of education, again, that people so need. And then indeed for, you know, governments who let's face it, some of them behave like they don't really care a lot. If you can get people with epilepsy to have better standards, qualities of life, you'll find that they're good for the economy too. Yeah, <laughs> so, absolutely. You know. And somewhere along that line, um, I, th- I think this is a good time to bring up what we've been wanting to speak about, the term disease. Epilepsy, is it a disease or is it a condition? Is it a disorder? people will say, no, it's not a disease, it's not contagious. But if we look at the very definition of a disease, it says it is a disorder of an organ of the body. So technically, epilepsy could be qualified as a disease in that form. Whereas there is a chance that people could mistake it as something being contagious. And I think that's the concern here. And I think that's why so many people do not like to refer to epilepsy as a disease. What are your thoughts on that? I completely understand where people are coming from with their concerns. The stubborn part of me does think if we are to educate the rest of the public regarding epilepsy, we do need to make them aware of the severity of the condition. Now, because it is, generally speaking, for many of us, it can be quite severe and negatively life-impacting. And that's generally uh, a summary of the reason why the International League Against Epilepsy did start putting the word disease in association with the term epilepsy. But yeah, like you mentioned, if we talk about heart disease, no big deal, right? Right. It's, well, it is. It's huge. <laughs> but we know it's not catching. If we talk about lung disease, we know it's not catching. I do feel that in a way, some of us are being hypocritical by saying, oh, we can't say disease because that's discriminatory, but we'll use it for another condition or disease or whatever you call it, you know? Sometimes we have to bring about change ourselves. So, you know, it depends which way you look at it. But I do think that as well as those who don't have epilepsy, those with epilepsy, we need to be a bit less judgmental of other people rather than presuming they are judging us unfairly. We need to think maybe they're not, you know, on the side of positivity, first of all, and find out exactly what they mean. Mm -hmm. But the initial idea was to use um, the word disease as something more impactful, having greater emotion come out of people when you use the word so that governments and medical health organizations would take it more seriously because funding is it's not nearly as much as as we need that's what i was going to bring up they fund diseases they do not fund conditions there you go exactly we just need to not be offended so easily quite honestly generalization yeah over here in the states i know there's been a lot of discussion over it and it i feel like it's almost dividing the epilepsy community at times because i've seen on twitter people kind of debating this heatedly and we do need to be careful with our word use i think mm-hmm. because there are areas in other parts of the world where their understanding of a disease may think it's completely contagious and it may be a life-threatening situation to you know some of them so i, I understand both sides of the coin i completely yeah i i agree i agree with you so how do we approach that what do you think we should do there like just kind of slowly work into that as the education becomes more prominent over there in those other areas 
I think when we are trying to make change, we need to educate at the same time. Again, it's back to education. So what you're saying, you know, we're identifying how in different cultures and different parts of the world, also different generations, you know, there are, there are differences in understandings of words. When we are, are attempting to use a different word, we can explain to people affected, this is why we're changing it. This is what the word actually means. So you might believe it means this due to your to your life, your experiences, whatever. But the reason that we are changing the word is so that we can get more funding, we can get greater recognition from governments and medical organisations. And this is what it actually means. It is not negative. And I think that once people can identify that, that the change is occurring for a reason mm-hmm. and they understand what it means... That's when things can change, but I don't think it happens overnight. One of the primary things, all of us, whether we have epilepsy or not, we need to be open to contradiction when something is based on fact. And like you were talking about before, um, you brought up the exact definition of what disease was, Mm -hmm. and we compared it to, you know, heart disease and stuff. It is not something that is infectious. Right. Yeah, we all need to be a bit more open-minded. And it's again, it's easy for me to say... But I do have epilepsy myself, as you know. And rather than being contradicted by factual information and finding that offensive, I'll just ask, oh, well, why is that being done? Okay, cool. Or you can you can be against something, but there needs to be a reason behind that. And we all need to look at the bigger picture, I think. Right. Rather than just our own perception of things. Like yourself, you mentioned how different cultures and communities, there are different perceptions of words. And it's really important to take that into account.